0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, November 15th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. With only four cases in the last seven days, Sitka is now one of only two communities in Alaska to have dropped into moderate alert for COVID, the second lowest alert tier under the color-coded system adopted statewide in September. The other community in the moderate level is Dutch Harbor on Alaska in the Aleutian Chain. The rest of the state, with 583 new cases reported on Thursday, remains at high. Sitka had been in high alert since late July. The alert level was reduced to substantial on November 8th and remained there for only four days until dropping to moderate. To remain at moderate, Sitka must report four or fewer infections in seven days. The moderate tier relaxes some but not all of the precautions of higher alert levels. Bars and restaurants can be open with masking and social distancing encouraged. Mass are recommended in public and in mixed gatherings where six feet of social distance can't be maintained. And fully vaccinated groups gather with no limits, while mixed groups should remain limited and maintain six feet of social distance. According to the state health department dashboard, Sitka is also among the most vaccinated communities, with 75 percent of residents, including residents age five and up, having been fully vaccinated. Alaska wildlife troopers are investigating the failed shooting of a brown bear in a Sitka neighborhood early last week. A resident in the 1500 block of Edgecombe Drive called Sitka police on Monday morning, November 8th, to report that a bear was dying in her backyard. On arrival, officers found that the bear had died. Wildlife trooper Kyle Ferguson performed a necropsy on the animal later that afternoon.
1: It was a female, it was a younger bear. Uh, This would be a bear that's uh, known to a lot of Sitkins. was a sow that uh, was distinctive for her white ears, and she had been uh, out at spending a lot of time out at Stargavin."
0: A picture of the bear standing in Stargavin Creek is the cover image for the Sitka Bear Report, a social media page used by many Sitkins to report bear sightings. Ferguson says that the sow had been killed by a single shot from a small-caliber firearm, most likely a rifle. He adds that no one in the vicinity had reported gunshots, either on November 8th or the previous day so the bear may have been wounded elsewhere. The 1700 block of Edgecombe Drive is not an ideal place to fire a rifle.
1: It's high-density housing, and people have to be very careful about where they're, uh, where they're shooting.
0: In Alaska, it is legal to shoot a bear in defense of life or property, known as a DLP, so whoever killed the bear may have been within their rights. Ferguson says troopers are continuing to investigate the incident.
1: Yeah, if anybody has any information about the circumstances of how this bear ended up getting shot, uh, the wildlife troopers would like to know Uh, it's perfectly uh, possible that this was a legitimate DLP shooting uh, or it could have been a, a not legitimate DLP shooting.
0: The sow was the 14th brown bear killed in Sitka this season and the second killed by a resident rather than by wildlife authorities. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game will host a program called Living with Sitka's Brown Bears 6 p.m. Thursday, November 18th in Harrigan Centennial Hall. Assault charges have been dismissed against a former assembly member who was arrested during a fight in downtown Sitka two years ago. 42-year-old Aaron Bean was serving on the Sitka Assembly when he was arrested in the early morning hours of July 24th, 2019. Police responded to a call of a fight in progress. On their arrival, officers arrested Bean and summoned an ambulance for another individual who was transported to Mount Edgecombe Hospital. Bean was subsequently charged with one count of assault in the fourth degree and two counts of disorderly conduct, all misdemeanors. The charges were dismissed by the prosecution on November 9, 2021. Although Bean's case never went to trial, his attorney had filed notice with the court that he planned to argue that Bean acted in self-defense. At the time of his arrest, Bean declined to comment on the matter. On the dismissal of his charges, however, he issued the following statement quote, I committed none of the crimes alleged by the Sitka police. The Sitka Police Department is a corrupt institution with corrupt leadership. Why is it that the citizens of Sitka are complacent with the leadership at the police department and otherwise at City Hall acting as if the law doesn't apply to them? End quote. Bean was in the third year of a three year term in the Sitka Assembly at the time of the incident. He ran for, and failed to win, re-election to his seat in October of that year. A month-long trapping season has been announced for wolves on and around Prince of Wales Island, fueling an ongoing controversy about wolf hunting in the area. Resident hunters blame the predators for making deer scarce, and wildlife managers say they are being extra cautious after conservationists threatened to sue for federal protections. Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports.
1: The wolf population estimates have fluctuated in recent years. About five years ago, the Alaska Department of Fish and Games estimate was around 100 of them in a game management area in the lower panhandle. I know a lot of people on Prince of Wales told us now there are more wolves than that, and and, um, it's starting to look like they were probably right. That's Regional Wildlife Supervisor Tom Schumacher at a public meeting on the issue on November 9th. He's delivered some higher numbers. The 2020 fall estimate, based on DNA and hair samples, is now 386 wolves. The Board of Game Recommendations from 2019 call for a population of about half that many. But Schumacher says new data suggests that goal could be too low and could lead to inbreeding, which would threaten the species. So that's something we also want to be very careful with. Therefore, the federal and state game managers have set a relatively short 31-day harvest from November 15th to allow residents to control the predator population, which is important to many island residents who made a singular point. They rely on venison to feed their families. We need deer. People want to eat. It's, you know, an important thing. That's Mike Warner calling in from Kauffman Cove. I do trap wolves. I hunt wolves. I don't want the wolves gone, but I want more deer. That's the only reason I do it. Kurt Whitehead, a licensed guide in Klawak, says hunting deer continues to be difficult for residents on Prince of Wales Island. I speak for a whole bunch of people when I say that my subsistence needs are not being met. I put my rifle away the last two falls because I can't even feel right about killing a deer when we have so few. He also urged wildlife managers to prohibit hunting does to help the deer herds recover. Conservations have argued the legacy of clear-cut logging has destroyed deer habitat as second-growth forests are too dense for deer to shelter and forage. Several residents pushed back on that idea, but not Katie Rooks, an outfitter who lives and hunts out of Craig.
0: These three issues, wolves and deer and logging, are absolutely, totally tied together. And trying to convince folks of that is, is a real hard sell, and I get that. But the reason deer are declining is because their habitat is, has absolutely, in the t- almost 20 years that I've been here, has been decimated.
1: She also suggests that poachers are a problem, taking deer of all sizes and
0: out of season. I've been out hunting every weekend for weeks. And I'm seeing people going into the woods at dark while I'm coming out. I know what those people are doing, and so does everybody on this call.
1: The overall tone of the call was more upbeat than previous ones. Participants like Brian Moody in Ketchikan applauded game managers for a population estimate that he says jives closer to what island residents say is realistic. But Moody says the 31-day harvest could make things tight. There's a lot of trappers that are doing this out of a boat, and um, such a quick season really makes it tough trying to be out there in the weather, and um, it just makes it really dangerous. Conservationists last year petitioned the federal government to list Alexander Archipelago wolves as a distinct subspecies. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says it's reviewing the filings under the Endangered Species Act. Even as a center of biological diversity, a national environmental group, has threatened legal action to force the federal government's hand. Listing the wolves as a threatened species could trigger federal protections that could restrict hunting and resource development in areas of southeast Alaska that are part of the wolves' traditional range. Fish and Game Commissioner Doug Vincent Lang says he doesn't think that's necessary. Given what we know about wolves on the island, they're sustainably managed. I don't, as the a, as, as a head of Fish and Game, think that there's a need to list these wolves as, as a danger of extinction. In the end, wildlife managers, conservationists, and resident hunters will be watching closely to see how many wolves are taken in the month-long season that closes on December 15th. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick.
0: A $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill to be signed by President Biden on Monday includes a potential windfall for Alaska's state-run ferry system. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski told reporters on Wednesday that the bill includes a $1 billion fund for a five-year essential ferry service plan, a concept she introduced to lawmakers from the lower 48 looking to retool the nation's transit infrastructure.
1: In Alaska, we don't all connect by road. Some of us have to connect
0: by ferry. The Alaska Marine Highway System isn't mentioned anywhere in the bill, but the legislation was written in a way to give Alaska a leg up in the criteria. For example, the infrastructure bill establishes a $250 million experimental ferry pilot project to develop an electric or low-carbon ferry vessel. One of the pilot runs, Murkowski says, is to be awarded to the state with the most marine highway miles.
1: We've got 3,100 miles of uh, marine highway, which blows everybody else out of the water.
0: Representative Don Young also voted for the infrastructure bill. He was one of 13 GOP House members to do so. Republican U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan has called the bill flawed but says he ultimately supports steering federal aid to the states and there's much in there for Alaska. Murkowski, who is up for re-election next year, has been criticized by members of her own party for supporting the bill. A Republican challenger, former state administration commissioner Kelly Sabaka, took to Twitter to call the bill the left's energy-annihilating agenda. Murkowski says hostility to the infrastructure bill by members of her party is short-sighted.
1: What a shame on us that we're not willing to put the priorities of the country first over the politics
0: of this. The bill has about $73 million headed for Alaska for federal investment in new vessels and ports. The infrastructure bill will also allow federal highway dollars to be spent on ferry operations rather than traditional capital costs. That's allowed the state government to forward fund the ferry system on an 18-month schedule. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.